Welcome to the Love and Marriage Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals and forums that offer insights on dating and marriage. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. This devotional address, entitled The Eternal Family, was given on January 6th of 1998 by Merrill J. Bateman, then the president of Brigham Young University. Almost three years ago, in a Saturday evening session of a state conference in New York, I listened intently to a young Hispanic sister bear testimony. As a recent convert, she bore witness to the promptings and feelings that occurred during her conversion. She stated, When the missionaries knocked on my door, I saw the smile on their faces and felt the firm grip of their handshakes. They said they had a message which would bring happiness into my life. At the conclusion of the first lesson, they turned to Moroni's promise in the Book of Mormon. I was surprised. They did not ask me to believe their words. Instead, the missionaries challenged me to find out for myself the truthfulness of the gospel through prayer and the Holy Ghost. Later, as I listened to the missionaries explain the plan of salvation, I suddenly felt a confirming witness that I was more than a speck in the universe. My life was important not only to me, but to a loving Heavenly Father and His Son. They knew me. There was purpose to life. And God had a plan for me to achieve that purpose. I could never feel worthless again. The truth of the young sister's testimony burned within me that evening. I knew then and know now as to you that there is purpose to life that God has a plan of happiness designed for all of His children. The plan includes a pre-mortal existence in which men and women were begotten spirits, born of heavenly parents and reared to maturity in the eternal mansions of the Father prior to coming upon the earth in a temporal body to undergo an experience in mortality. Individuals were blessed with the gift of agency in pre-earth life, just as they are here. Those spirits who were obedient to law gained knowledge and intelligence and were rewarded with a second estate. One's progress depended on the choices made. Agency always has been an integral part of the plan. The plan includes an earthly or temporal sojourn as well. During this state, we receive a physical body with procreative powers and the opportunity to form eternal families of our own. The power to create new life is given to men and women for a season. They are tested as to how they will use the sacred power. By the time death occurs, the power is removed. For those who are obedient to eternal law, the procreative power is restored in the resurrection. For those who are disobedient to righteous principles and unrepentant, the power is never returned. A key purpose of God's plan is the formation of eternal families. It is within the family that exaltation is achieved. 
My remarks today center on the importance of the family and its eternal nature. I am aware that some individuals do not have the opportunity to marry in mortality. For those who remain single on earth, there is still much that can be done to develop one's talents, to help others and prepare for the blessings that will come. For the promise is that no blessing will be withheld eternally if a person is worthy. The creation of the earth, the fall of Adam, and the atonement of Christ are essential elements or pillars in the Father's plan for the progress and development of his children. This is true not only for the salvation of the individual, but the exaltation of the family. The earth's creation provided a new state of existence apart from our spiritual home. And mortality's probationary test is qualitatively different from the premortal one. It differs in that we are expected to live by faith. A veil has been drawn over our minds and we remember little or nothing of life with our heavenly parents. In the words of Ecclesiastes, there is no remembrance of former things. In Paul's words, for now we see through a glass darkly. Through faith, assurance has come, but diligence and obedience are required to hear and feel the still small voice. The test in mortality also differs because the physical body is subject to a new set of desires and temptations. Mortals by nature have an inherent inclination to succumb to the lusts of the flesh and the allurement of worldly things. The earthly test is whether we will yield to the seductions of nature or to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, which changes our nature through the atonement of Christ. Alma's counsel to Shiblon was to bridle all our passions that we may be filled with love. As children and parents, a new family setting allows us to love, to trust, to care and to serve in a different environment. The fall of Adam made it possible for children to be born and therefore families to be created. The atonement of Christ opens the door of salvation for the individual and exaltation for the family. These three doctrinal pillars are intimately involved in the creation of new eternal families and their extension into eternities. The scriptures state that men and women are created in the image of God. Both women and men have within them the attributes of divinity, and both are blessed as they fulfill their divine callings. The Apostle Peter and King Benjamin indicate that we partake of the divine nature through Christ's atonement aided by the Holy Ghost. It is interesting to observe that the fruits of the Spirit are identical to the divine seeds inherited from heavenly parents. Since light cleaveth the light and spirit to spirit, the Holy Ghost is able to quicken us by a portion of light which causes the divine seeds within to bud and to flower. The degree of light and the extent to which the attributes flourish is a function of how well women and men bridle their passions 
and are obedient to divine principles. When a man understands how glorious a woman is, he treats her differently. When a woman understands that a man has the seeds of divinity within him, she honors him not only for who he is, but for what he may become. An understanding of the divine nature allows each person to have respect for the other. The eternal view engenders a desire in men and women to learn from and share with each other. Men and women are created as compliments. They complete one another. Paul told the Corinthians, Nevertheless, neither is the woman without neither is the man without the woman or the woman without the man in the Lord. Men and women complement each other not only physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. The Apostle Paul taught that quote, the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, and through them both the children are made holy. Men and women have different strengths and weaknesses, and marriage is a synergistic relationship in which spiritual growth is enhanced because of the differences. In September 1995, the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles issued a proclamation to the world titled The Family. The statement is an extraordinary document outlining church doctrine with respect to the family and the relationships between husband and wife, parents and children. On a number of occasions during the past two years, President Hinckley has been asked why the proclamation was issued. Typical of his answers is the following. Much of the world is in serious trouble over the disintegration of the family. The family is the basic unit of society. No nation is stronger than the homes of its people. Lawrence Stone, the noted Princeton University family historian, says, the scale of marital breakdowns in the West since 1960 has no historical precedent that I know of and seems unique. There has been nothing like it for the last 2,000 years and probably longer. You are probably familiar with the fruits of broken homes, President Hinckley continues. I think the home is the answer to most of our basic social problems. And if we take care of things there, other things will take care of themselves. As a church, we are trying to preserve the traditional family, father, mother, and children, working together in love toward a common goal. In large measure, we are succeeding against great odds. End of quote. Following the issuance of the proclamation, all members of the church have been challenged to become familiar with its doctrines and teachings and to apply them. It is particularly revealing to compare the teachings of the proclamation with contrasting philosophies and practices of the world. A review of the world's practices regarding marriage and the family illustrate the challenges that beset a society when it loses its eternal compass. May I share with you the basic principles taught by the proclamation and contrast them with the beliefs and practices 
that are becoming more and more prevalent in society. In doing so, I am aware that there are many people outside the church who value the traditional family and whose views are similar to ours relative to this important institution. Nevertheless, the data suggests that the family is under siege in America and in the Western world. The first principle taught by the proclamation is that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God. We believe that the first marriage was performed by God and that marriage had no end. Marriage is a sacred relationship. When performed in the right place for the right authority, an everlasting covenant is established between the man, the woman, and the Lord. The covenant has the potential of creating an eternal unit. We believe that society has a stake in marriage, in that the physical, emotional, spiritual, and economic health of the citizens is determined by the quality and duration of marital relationships. We believe that procreation powers are sacred and are to be used only between a man and a woman legally and lawfully married. And when used outside of marriage, may destroy relationships rather than build them. In contrast, many people in the world treat marriage as merely an association by consenting adults. The association may or may not be based on a contract or covenant. Sexual relationships outside the association are widely seen as acceptable. Open marriages without a contract are more and more prevalent as young people live together on a trial basis. Some people are now asking that an association between partners of the same sex be recognized as marriage. It is clear that marriage is not considered a sacred relationship in many quarters. In fact, some argue that the state or society has no interest or stake in marriage. The second principle top of the proclamation is that the family is central to the father's plan for the destiny of his children. As noted earlier, the plan calls for mortal probation and testing of God's spiritual offspring. In the testing process, the family is essential for the proper training of children in the faith. The commandment that God gave to Adam and Eve to multiply and replenish the earth remains in force. Father and mother are important role models in nurturing and developing children. We believe that children's self-respect and identity are partially determined by the love their father and mother have for each other. President McKay stated, A father can do no greater thing for his children than to let them feel that he loves their mother. My experience suggests that a child's identity and feelings of security are threatened when parents argue and condemn one another. The home is the best place for children to experience the bonds of love and learn virtue, honesty, and good citizenship. The home is the primary place where children learn to treat others with respect. What are the world's views with regard to the family? There are many who assume that there is no plan, for there is no God. Life is an accident. 
Marriage and the family are temporal associations. The association between consenting adults has as its purpose pleasure and individual satisfaction. If the association no longer serves that purpose, it should end, regardless of the impact on one's partner or children. Is it any wonder that marriages do not last, given these views? More than half of all civil marriages in the United States now end in divorce. Based on these philosophies, it's not difficult to propagate an argument recently heard in a Hawaiian court that children can be nurtured as well by two adults of the same sex as by the natural father and mother. Also, if marriage is a temporary association which may end at any time, it is simple to extrapolate that government should assume primary responsibility for the training and education of children. Elder Bruce Hafen, in a recent general conference address, pointed to the Savior's comments on the contractual attitudes of the hireling versus the covenant relationship of the shepherd. Quote, When the hireling seeth the wolf coming, he leaveth the sheep and fleeth because he careth not for the sheep. By contrast, the Savior said, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. When the view is myopic, the distortions are large. When one's marital objectives are selfish and transitory, relationships are ephemeral. One can assume that the longer the view Thank you. 
was about to enter the third grade, both special memories for During the summer, he participated in the year of baseball. He was a backup pastor and an outfielder on the team. Great days, he had some athletic ability and he was a good player. At the time, he loved baseball. When we gathered together for family homes just before the start of the new school year, Michael announced to the family that he was too old for a father's wedding. After all, he completed his first season in New He played well and blessed him for her younger children. Marilyn and I were excited for him. We encouraged him by suggesting that a blessing would help him with his schoolwork. It would provide him with protection. It would help him with relationships with his brothers and sisters who were in control. But our inspiration, along with considerable folks in control and faith, he was too old. Since Real and I believe in recency and we're not about to force the blessing on eight year olds, all of the children except Michael received the blessing that year. The school year proceeded normally. Michael did his children as well. And suddenly, they were association together. As the following May arrived, it was time for Little League Baseball to begin. Following the last day of school, Michael's coach called us to practice. Michael's anticipation was not even greater. His dream was about to be realized. He was to be the The baseball diamond is located at River Bottom, not far from the mouth of Cobra Canyon, and a few blocks from the home. The boys and coach walked to the field. Following the practice, the boys and coach started for home. Michael and his friend decided to run on ahead of the coach to the other boys. And the process of having crossed the river to the avenue, not far from the river. As they approached the highway, Michael's friend looked at the area and there was a fire coming from the river. Michael failed to look and started on the highway just as the 15 year old was out. I heard this cry and he said, Before leaving America's work, I'm called a 
You've been listening to the Love and Marriage Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on overcoming adversity. By study and by faith, come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on Podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.